how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters. Did Home Alone, Rowan John uses career, the greatest movie never made, and how Jackie Chan creates perfection through failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Writer-director Mike Cahill credits his early fascination with filmmaking to the Fisher-Price Pixel Vision, better known as the PXL2000, a black-and-white toy camcorder from the late 1980s. I totally loved it, he joked. It was my favorite toy of all time. Describing this early experience as exhilarating, Cahill said that even though he took many different paths in his life, he always returned to filmmaking. Clearly, the passion has paid off. Cahill is best known for his work as a writer-director on the documentary Boxers and Ballerinas and films like Another Earth, I Origins, and now Bliss. His latest feature stars Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek. The description for the Amazon release reads, A mind-bending love story following Greg, who, after recently being divorced and then fired, meets the mysterious Isabel, a woman living on the streets and convinced that the polluted, broken world around them is a computer simulation. In this interview, the writer-director discusses film as a visual language, high-concept ideas about second chances, how filmmaking is like catching an exotic animal, and how he chooses to chase inspiration. You can also look for the print version of this conversation on Creative Screenwriting's website. You know, I'm one of those people who fell in love with it as a kid. Like, I, I had a Fisher-Price Pixel Vision 2000 when I was six years old. Uh, you know, that camera in the 80s that could record on an audio cassette tape. And uh, I loved it. I totally loved it. It was my favorite toy of all time. And, uh, you know, I felt like I, I, no one was teaching me what how movies or films or television or whatever, anything works or how the medium works. But I was discovering because you hold down the button and it records and then you let go and it stops recording. You hold down and let go and hold down and let go. And then when you watch it down, there's an edit. There's a natural edit to the way it works. And that, that to me felt exhilarating. I loved, I loved that as a kid. And, um, and then later and you know, and throughout my life, like I thought I was gonna do different things, but I kept returning to filmmaking as a hobby and a passion, uh, even though I was studying to like be a normal grown up and everything. And, and that didn't really work out for me. And, uh, and 
and uh and you know I, I learned how to edit that was a major like like properly edit like non-liter editing that was like a big foray into the to doing this work I, I realized that if you could edit you could finish something and then that gave me confidence to you know do the other components but it's been a it's been a lifelong thing that I love and I love the medium of film I love what's what it's possible of uh I feel uh, it's cliche to say, but it is a, a, a visual language and it has its syntax and it has grammar and it has, uh, it, it's capable of speaking in ways that our words are, are deficient. And to me, I love that. I, lo I love that. I feel, I, I, I love that. It's like any art form. It's like a dance. It's like music. It's like a painting. It, 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 it's, a, it's a medium that allows different ways of expressing uh, certain unique things about being a human. Tell me a little bit about um, boxers and ballerinas and why you just, why you, what led you to that documentary and then how you kind of transition into more or the fictional type of work. Boxers and ballerinas. I, I was, I was a young kid, basically more or less. And uh, it's a documentary uh, about a boxer and a ballerina that lived in Cuba and Havana and a boxer and ballerina lived, lived in Miami. And uh, I was, you know, at the time I was working for National Geographic, which wildly was my first job out of college. It was so exciting. Uh, it was so exciting. I was making these like short drama films with uh, Brit and Zal at Georgetown. And, and then I got this, you know, this position filming sharks all over around, around the world, which is, you know, one adventure led to another. And then uh, uh, a friend of mine, um showed me these photographs of these boxers in in Havana and uh, he said hey you should you know film uh, film some of this and you know see if any inspiration strikes and then I, I went to Havana and then I uh and that night I went to a ballet and I was thinking about just movement and how cinema like the ca capturing the movement of these you know uh these powerful physical uh athletes and artists and one thing led to another, and we made a documentary about it. But you know, it's very, it's very, uh, it's, uh, it was like the beginning again. It's like an early stage in my life and development, and yeah, but a beautiful experience. When you're, when you're kind of looking back at, at some of your, you know, milestones, stepping stones in life, do you, do you see yourself as someone who like takes bigger chances? Or are you just following what interests you? Like, is there anything about your life maybe we can give advice to people that are trying to come up in the industry? For me, when I when I when I switched over, so for for about I don't know maybe ten years or so, I was working in documentary like National Geographic and documentaries and documentaries and and learning how the tools work. That was very important to me. It's like um, you know how to shoot, know how to edit, know how to uh, put a scene together, know how you know just just like spending time with the medium. Um, but my passion was always fiction storytelling ever since I was a kid. Like I like the idea of creating realities. And, uh, and then Another Earth uh, was the first feature. Uh, and, and part of the inspiration for making Another Earth, I know this sounds like, cause you want relevance to those starting out. I, there was an emotional core that I was interested in which was self forgiveness, like, for, like the idea of forgiving oneself. And then there was um, like I knew I I knew I could 
I love science fiction. I knew that I could do the visual effects. It's so practical, ridiculous. I knew I knew how to put a sky. I knew how to put an Earth up in the sky, and motion track it, you know, in a shot, and uh, and make it look somewhat believable. And it was it was simply I basically would make all these like short clips of like me walking out and looking out up at the sky, and I put an Earth up there. And I would just spend time looking at the icon, uh, the iconography of that image, and seeing what it provokes. Uh, and it, for me, it held this sort of sense of wonder, like what would it be like to meet yourself? And and Britt and I worked on that uh, together, uh, crafting that uh, story. And uh, and and you know, we managed to make it for with very little means. That was the that was the thing. It was like enough of a, a spectacle for me. It's like the uh, the, the human spirit offers up a great deal of spectacle. It's just like when you go, oh, like the, the thing that the spectacle is just the thing that makes you gap, like suck in air and be, oh. and you know, sometimes that is visual effects, but sometimes it's like uh, an emotional spectacle. And I felt like we, we could, we could do something with little means that would still have spectacle of the human spirit, I guess. You see like a, a natural transition between like another earth and then bliss and like it's all of your work kind of have um i don't know just do you see a common thread between your your stories that you like to tell i do i, I i'm i'm drawn towards stories about second chances I, uh, so I, another earth and i origins than bliss in some ways there there's a there, the themes that keep occurring uh, are uh, ideas of second chances, redemption, forgiveness, love, different types of love. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I love the intersection between science and spirituality. I think that's a, you know, those, those are often thought of two vastly different realms of, uh, of the mind and humanity. But I do see that there is an overlap that it's questioning our meaning and our purpose and, and you know, these ancient stories and these, you know, new discoveries, like how do they compute? And, and when you think about bliss, bliss in a way, uh, you know, it uses simulation theory, but simulation theory is, is like a way for the secular mind to talk about a created world and the implications of it. It's like, you can safely wade into that territory and just say, okay, I'm going to create a world. And then what are the attributes and why are the attributes? And particularly, why is there suffering? And that's one of the big questions. Why is there suffering in the world? It's a, it's a theological issue, but it's also a, a ramification of simulation theory, which is, you know, why would you make a, an imperfect world? Like if you read Voltaire's Plato's dream, like why would you make an imperfect world? Why is there imperfection? What's the purpose of it? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I like these are, those are common themes that I'm drawn towards. And I think I'll always be drawn towards that. Where do you kind of start? I mean, like uh, without giving spoilers and those type of things, the idea for bliss, was that first more of an idea about theology or philosophy? And then you moved into the plot or like, where do you kind of start? And then do you start with research? You're reading a lot. You're talking this out with someone. What's kind of the logistics of that process? Well, there's multiple threads happening at once. So from a research standpoint, the ideas and the concepts and the things and the, you know, the, the details of bliss, that's my 
you know, my backyard reading. That's my joy. That's my pleasure. That stuff is happening constantly. And that's what I'm interested in. Um, the nuts and bolts of all of that. Uh, but, but, but a movie for me only begins when there's an emotional thing that moves me. When I, when I, when, when, when I recognize something that I find very moving and I want to capture it, I want to, I want to bottle that emotional thing up and make a, make a, you know, a work that can carry that thing forward. And, and, and for Bliss, um, without spoiling anything, the, you know, the thing that I, I wanted to do is I wanted to tell a story about the fragility of our, of the human mind. And I wanted to treat it with empathy. And you, Brock, probably have people in your life, as does anybody, uh, people who, uh, who their worldview is different than yours, or they see the world vastly different than you. And that could be for any, any number of reasons. That could be, uh, that could be political, that could be scientific, that could be uh, mental health, that can be, you know, Alzheimer's, that could be uh, drug abuse, that could be, you know, whatever it may be, their version of reality is different than yours. And, uh, and, uh, and the way they're seeing their world, it's infused with the inner uh, emotional, their inner emotional landscape. And I was looking at that and thinking about that division. And I, and I found that the story of a person, in this case, Greg's daughter, Emily, uh, uh, persistently trying to connect with him, despite how hard it is. And, and you can't take it for granted because there's the brother who doesn't make these efforts, right? He's the counterpoint. But to, to, to that love and persistence, despite the hardship to try and reach him in a different world, uh, in a different worldview, uh, can make a difference. Like that felt emotionally powerful to me. And so that kind of came first. And then I thought, well, the way to do that in a way that's you know, my kind of way is, is to use science fiction to create a metaphor for that. So instead of different worldviews or different ways of seeing the world, I create literal different worlds using simulation theory. But at the core, you know, it's really, you know, and then and, and that love story between Greg and Isabel is, it's what happens when two people see the same world together. That's what love feels like. Everything else disappears. So I felt there were, there were all these relatable human emotions that could be told in this unique way. Do you have other advice maybe for those who are pitching a story that's, that's maybe more character-based, relationship-based, or big ideas? Like how do you kind of start to connect that maybe to science fiction, as you said, that might help it make it more marketability and that type of thing? How do you kind of see those two uh, facets when you're creating a story like this? Well, my advice might be, or the thing that I like, you, one thing is you can think of, um, one thing that I do is I think about our world and then I change one element, whatever it may be. Another earth, there's a duplicate earth in the sky. Eye origins, reincarnation is proven through the connection in the eyes. Bliss, we're living inside a simulation. So it's like one, I change one element of reality, relatable reality that we know. And that one change is a change that evokes some sort of wonder like oh that's in like that's interesting well tell me more you know that kind of vibe uh, and uh uh it's enough to intrigue right it's just enough to intrigue like and and then simultaneously so it's not it's not like before and after but simultaneously if that change were to occur what type of person uh uh or a person going through what kind of circumstance would that change uh highlight some aspect of our 
human condition? Like who, who needs that change the most or who, who, whose story would best be served by that, um, you know, intriguing idea? You mentioned kind of early on, you were, you were writing and directing, you were doing some editing. Um, are you still kind of involved in all three pieces and, and like with a story like Bliss, do you see that change over time? Do you see your ideas about these, about these bigger ideas start to shape and change as well? They, they do evolve in the, the whole process from writing to directing to editing. You know, they always say that you write the movie three times. I think they always say, I don't know who they are and I don't know who says it, but I've heard it before. Uh, and it's true. You do, you know, you, you try and, the, the thing that I'm trying to do is sometimes it's a little bit esoteric because I, I, the best way to describe it is like there's a forest and somewhere over there, there's this like very rare, beautiful bird. And that bird represents some aspect of our human emotion, some unique, profound thing that I find profound for some reason or move, particularly moving. And then you assemble a team of trekkers trackers or whatever you call them with nets and you're going to go through the forest and hash through it and try and catch that bird and it's very hard to catch and you don't know if you're going to catch it. you might not catch it but you get a group that's really great and that's your cinematographer and your production designer and, and your producer and your actors and everybody and you all like you're like all right this is what it looks like i can't really draw it perfectly but it kind of looks like this and here we go ready and then so you have your script, which is your map, and you're going to code this way and try and you can try and eventually try and get over there. Um, but there's twists and turns on the way, and revelations on the way, and it's a very it's a living thing. I like to leave enough room for us to change things, and but you know through rehearsals, even on the day that we're shooting, and then in the edit, you know the edit it only works if you catch the bird, right? If the bird is not caught, the movie fails, right? And you don't know if it's gonna work. You really don't know. And you have to be honest with yourself like, oh man. And early on in the editing process of this film, I was like, oh man, I'm not catching the bird. I can't catch it. I kind of see it in my periphery, but I, it's almost there. And it, and it actually, with COVID and the hiatus, I took two months off from the edit. And I watched the movie after two months off. And I was like, whoa wait, I know how to, I know how to catch the bird. And I changed things. And then we, in my humble estimation, at least the bird I was chasing, we caught it. And so I'm very pleased uh, with, with where we landed, but that's, that is the process. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a live living process. That's what makes filmmaking so thrilling actually, because you, you know, you're not, you're not just painting inside the lines perfectly. You're, you're, you're trying to, you're, if you're, you're trying to capture something that perhaps never has been captured before. Right. So maybe um, take it before you, you know, pursue a story. Let's say you have like a dozen ideas and bliss is one of those ideas. Is it just, it's the most full and that's what makes you first go on the adventure or is it like, I don't know, what is it? What maybe makes this one go ahead of that one as far as like, I'm going to write this screenplay or whatever those steps are for you. That's a really great, gosh, you, I feel like you're like my buddy when we're talking like for real. Uh, uh, you know, I'm dealing with that right now, right? So I, like I have new scripts, right? I have, and I have new stories that I really want to tell. And, and I don't know actually how to answer that. What makes a certain thing go or not go? Uh, for me, uh, I do like to ride the, 
wild horse of inspiration, if you will. Like I, you know, like a lot of people are like sharpen your pencils and show up and do the work. Uh, and that's how you become a great writer. But like for me, like if it's not come, like I respect antagonists fully and writer's block is an antagonist and the inability to write something is an antagonist. And it's like, okay, you win. Uh, uh, and then when you're on a run and it's working and you're getting it, like I ride that all the way to the sunset. I'll, I'll finish a script. I'll finish a, a bad draft of a full idea, you know, in, in three days of just like, okay, I got something done. You know, it's not that great, but I got most of it done. And then I can revisit it with my sharpened pencil and take my time with it. Um, but but uh, usually it's inspiration. Usually it's something something about it grabs me in the moment. And I don't take that charge of energy for granted i seize it and when it's not there i stare at the wall thank you for tuning in to the show if it's your first time listening make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the youtube channel the blog the podcast and my new book ink by the barrel which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at writerfieldnotes.com you'll see the link in the show notes thanks again